Magic Makers. Um, this is the fourth time I have hit record on this introduction because every time I hit record, I have ended up crying and I'm trying really hard to keep it together right now. But I'm also just laughing because I'm thinking how funny it is that I'm going to have this super happy theme song underneath me crying. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Oh man, the humanity. Um, okay. So it's Valentine's day. Valentine's day has been a complicated holiday for me to say the least. Valentine's day has this pressure, right? We all feel it. It has this pressure that it has to be perfect. And if you're not partnered, then why are you single? Nobody ever asks happily married people or happily partnered people, why aren't you single? (laughs) And yet somehow we feel like it's perfectly okay to go up to a single person and say, why aren't you married? Why aren't you dating? So funny to me. Um, not funny, intriguing food for thought. Maybe we change that narrative, huh? So anyway, I think that Valentine's day can be this weird, moment where we feel a ton of pressure to perform our worthiness through romantic partnerships. Because if somebody's chosen us, then that must mean we're worthy, right? And we've been sold that disnified one true love shit since the dawn of time. And the truth is authentic partnership, healthy relationships are full of healthy conflict. They're full of it. It is absolutely impossible to have a deep, authentic connection with another human being and not experience conflict and not experience a push-pull sometimes. So knowing that, I started to get curious about the male experience of relationships. Were my partners feeling similarly and just didn't know how to express themselves? How could I, as a romantic partner, invite more connection in a way that actually enabled us to have those conversations that I've been craving? I mean, I've so far really loved being alone. I've learned more than I've ever learned about myself. And yet, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of you out there, whether you're coupled or not, I have a very deep yearning for that kind of emotional connection that I just haven't found yet. So back, let's back up about a month. The sort of beginning of January, I was going through a, a little bit of a mini heartbreak. We'll say it was a disappointing, um, experience with a potential romantic partner. And I was feeling bummed out and the Instagram algorithm heard my cries and served me up some content by a relationship coach who specializes in working with men. And his name was Brian Reeves. And I went down a deep wormhole of Brian's work. And I felt like I finally was beginning to understand that there was this whole traditionally male experience that I just had never really been privy to or dug deep into learning more about. And by the way, when I say traditionally male, men, masculine, and the flip, traditionally female, women, feminine, um, that just means the spectrum of gender identity, all are welcome here. This is meant to be inclusive. Um, But in this conversation, it is going to probably present a lot more sort of traditional, uh, more heterosexual, but all are welcome to this conversation. And there is absolutely something to be learned no matter what kind of relationship you're in or how you identify. So in learning all of these things from Brian's content, he has these viral posts 
a million times over on his blog that was incredibly successful. He is a successful author. Um, I read his book, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, um, in preparation for this interview. And man, oh man, did I feel called out and seen at the same time. In learning and hearing more about his experience, I realized that maybe it's time to get out of my comfort zone and being on this side of the fence thinking, why is no one choosing me? I love myself. I'm working on myself. I think I'm a good partner. I think I'm funny and cute and all of that good stuff. I think I'm emotionally available. And yet there is this absence. So maybe I need to open myself up more to what those on the other side of the fence might be experiencing. And so for this Valentine's Day episode, this is a long introduction. Thank you for bearing with me. For this Valentine's episode, instead of staying surface level and talking about how relationships affect our mental health, because they do, that's absolutely true. I wanted to dig deeper. I wanted to really go into the deep end with someone who I felt safe going there with and who I felt confident you guys would be safe with as listeners, because this is important. This is not something that I take lightly sharing deep work like this. This is potentially life-changing stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that excites me and gets my juices flowing. So on this Valentine's day, I hope that instead of thinking about what flowers you're going to bring home from the grocery store or whether or not that person writes you a nice card or takes you to an expensive dinner, maybe this conversation will inspire you to go a little bit deeper and move you towards that authentic connection that true, deep, emotional bond that you deserve, that I deserve, that we all deserve. So with that, please welcome Brian Reeves to Find Your Magic. Brian, I am so grateful that you are here having this conversation with me on Find Your Magic today. Thanks for being here. I'm honored to be here, Kelsey. Thank you for the invitation. So usually I record an intro at the beginning of these things, sort of explaining where the guest came from, their backstory, but you have such a unique story. I would love if you yourself gave a little bit of an intro and how you found your way to the work you're currently doing, because it's amazing. Mm, well, I'll give the short the short version of that. I know it's, you. it's a long story, but it's a good one. <laughs> it is, it is, it is quite. But uh, the short version of it is: look, I'm I'm now a 47 years exquisitely aged man, <laughs> and I I for the last eight nine years I've been coaching couples and and individuals primarily in relationship coaching, and now I'm really focusing on working with men. And that's important because it, it, so, so that's the end. That's sort of where we are today. Mm-hmm. Let's go back now. What did I say? I'm 47. Let's go back 40 years. No, 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 no. Can't. Well, we could go back that far, but we're going to go back <laughs> 30 years. Okay. I'm with you. You're so I'm, 17. I'm, se- I'm 17. I'm entering into, good year. I'm entering into, <laughs> to university. I'm actually going into uh, military ROTC officer training, going to a technical school engineering. Um, I'm 17. I have three sisters, uh, a mother and a stepmother who are very strong, uh, powerful, independent women. My fathers are there, but they're also kind of just hanging on to, for dear life to, to what <laughs> my, my, my mom's holding the worlds together. Mm. And so, you know, here I am this, this sort of only son going into a, a very technical world with a lot of female influence in, in, in my life. And I go into the military, uh, I go to this, well, first I go to engineering school, then I go into the military. I'm a captain in the Air Force for five years. So I, so anyway, all this spits me out at 26 years old. Oh, I, I also get a master's degree in human relations. That's also important. Mm. A master's degree in human relations while I'm in the military. In the military. 
Wow. In the military. Well, that was my choice. I chose that degree. I wanted to study, you know, human behavior, human relationships, human potential. That was really my, my interest. So now I'm 26 years old and now I'm, 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 I'm stepping into, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to do intimate relationship with, with, with women or a woman really ultimately. And Kelsey, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Well, you and the rest of the world, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, but the, but here's my delusion. I think I know what I'm doing. I think I know how this should work. Also you and the rest of the world, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Point taken. So, and, and I don't know if the rest of the world would relate to this one, but I got three sisters and two mothers. Like if anybody should know how, what love is and how to be with a woman and all that, how to make a woman feel safe and, and how to, I'm your guy. Mm. And yet what actually happened inside of, of intimacy was just disaster after disaster, like the rest of the world. That's <laughs> where we, we joined back <laughs> up with the rest of the world. <laughs> so, yeah. So for, you know, my twenties and much of my thirties, I just was, I just was a disaster uh, despite my best intentions. Um, and you know, at 36, so that was 11 years ago. Now that's when I really started my personal journey into learning what the hell am I missing about intimate relationship? What are the, like the secrets that should never be secrets. Yeah. And I poured myself into that. And that, 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 that also then came through in my, I was blogging at the time I, I got started early in the, the blog, the blogosphere world. It seems videos taking over now. Blogs don't seem as important as they were for a time. <laughs> well, but. it's all I know. It's really interesting how different modes of communication can be more popular at any given time. But at the core of it, it's all communication, right? I mean, it used to be the radio. Now it's now it's video and podcasts. I feel like yeah. I feel yeah. like there's something about hearing someone's tone of voice. Mm -hmm when they're speaking or seeing their face with video that, I mean, that circles back to our need for connection. Humans need no connection, which is something I want to talk more about as we progress. Um, because I think that sometimes it can feel a lot simpler to isolate ourselves when in reality, we do have a biological need for connection that we can't escape. No doubt. And indeed, social media, I think particularly, I, you know, interesting, even in my writing journey, what I was actually aching to do was to connect with people mm -hmm. through, through my art, through the, the art of my writing. I was, and I started having success at, at doing so, but it's, but it's a very, it's not a real connection in a sense, not, you know, it, it's a very, I think anyone who's a sort of, you know, what we call a content creator these days, you know, mm -hmm. we create content, we kind of throw it over the fence. Yeah into the, into the world. And, 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 you know, we may look at, well, you know, what's, what are the neighbors doing with my, are they liking it? Are they rejecting yeah. it? But, but, but for the most part, we're still throwing it over the fence and, um, and it can feel connecting in a very, I think, shallow and, and all and unsatisfying way, which is why we got to keep mm -hmm. doing it. Right. Addicting. And it, it's addicting. It becomes anxiety producing, I think. Mm. and and it's just endless i mean there's there's no amount of likes or or validation from social media that is enough that's right certainly not in my experience no <laughs> not and, in any real way anyway and i'll tell you you know when i got into relationship with my wife so now i'm 41 years old and i and and by the way i'm 41 but for the last 5 6 years i've been I've been sort of making my my name in the world as this renowned relationship coach and writer and blogger and mm -hmm. so I'm I'm 41 now and I've got you know street cred and <laughs> I've got a and I've got blogs and I've got videos and 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 now I'm I'm actually stepping into relationship with a woman and holy shit did I have a whole was it like a whole new university experience about to open up for me Mm. Um, you know, when I, when I got to really start learning how to live what I was learning yeah, versus just what you're preaching, talk about it and write about it and, you know, explore it and all of that. So, you know, and I'm 47 and, and, um, I, that number is not meaningful, except that I think a lot of men, especially don't really start doing this kind of work until their late thirties. Hmm. or early 40s. 
Interesting. And why do you think that is? Well, because I, th I think a lot of men, it's not until our late thirties or early forties that we start to run into the limitations of our adolescence. Hmm. Say more. Well, as, as, as adolescents, the distinction that I kind of focus on the difference between an adolescent and an adult is adolescents don't really have to take responsibility for anything. <laughs> Adults take responsibility, but not just for themselves. I mean, for, for their impact on the world around them. Mm -hmm. And by and large, us men are not taught to take responsibility for our impact on the world around us. If anything, we're, we tend to be taught to be entitled. You know, the world is ours for the taking, especially white men speaking as one. It's an you know, the world distinction. is mine for the taking. Women should essentially, I mean, look, it's, it's a very, we tend to live in one of two polarities. Either I'm the, the ultimate nice guy. Hmm doing everything perfect as a, as a manipulation to get the world just where I want it or to like me or to approve of me, whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course, when it doesn't, well, secretly I, I seethe and, 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 and rage, right. But the nice guy doesn't show that part, but then there's, then there's the other polarity, which is no, nah, I'm just going to take it. I'm the dominating hyper individualistic, like the world is mine and everything in it belongs to me. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of those two extremes, we men tend to dance between those two extremes. And it isn't often until I, you know, my experience, like our late thirties, early forties, and it's often Kelsey, in my experience at the, at the, at the, the catalyst is often a woman or intimate relationship that says, you can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't yeah. have what you want and, 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 and orient that way. Yeah, you, you, we've got to we've got to we've got to mature beyond this. Yeah, and I would speak to the feminine side of that, which is it takes a lot of bravery to actually demand that kind of respect as a woman to say out loud, "This is not okay anymore. You need to start taking responsibility," and be willing to back that up with action, whether that means leaving the relationship or whether that means not entertaining moving forward until changes are made. Yeah. It's like the hardest thing in the world to do because you have to have so much self-worth and so much confidence to be that catalyst for a male counterpart. And, and I, and it's not, it's not, um, it, it's not your job to be that. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, it, ultimately it's, it's not supposed, that's not supposed to be what intimate relationship is for. It's not supposed to be the container within which men go from boy to man. That's, that's not supposed to happen in intimate relationship. <laughs> it's not supposed to, but would you say that that's how it often transpires? Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, that's where it ends up happening. And, and often the, the, the woman who partnered with the boy often isn't the woman who then partners with the man, sadly, because the relationship often doesn't survive that, that, that fire. Mm, yeah. Hey, magic makers. I could not be more thrilled that one of my favorite companies in the world has generously decided to sponsor this podcast. And that company is Kajabi. If you're an online course creator, or you've ever thought about creating an online course, chances are you probably heard of them because they're the number one, most trusted knowledge commerce platform. But what I really would love to tell you guys is how much Kajabi really helped my entire business. Um, and I'm just a fan of them. So I'm so thrilled to be able to share more about all the different products that they have under the Kajabi umbrella. I personally got rid of like five or six other platforms that I was paying for because Kajabi actually replaced those platforms and enabled me to have everything in one seamless place. So I've got my online courses on Kajabi. I've got my templates. I've got my podcast hosted on Kajabi. I use them for all of my email marketing, basically 
anything that I need for my business is completely taken care of on Kajabi. And right now they're offering a free 30 day trial, which is so great. It's more than enough time to really understand how the platform works, if it's right for you. And you can go to kelseyformost.com slash Kajabi to learn all about the platform. I've really laid it out in super simple terms for you guys. So you can learn all about why I am a fan for life of Kajabi. That's (laughs) K-A-J-A-B-I. I'm laughing because that has usually been me. There's a terrible misogynistic term, good luck, Chuck, where Mm -hmm. it's like the person you date and they're good luck. Mm -hmm. And then the next person Mm -hmm. you meet, you marry. I have gotten that nickname, like good luck, Chuck, because that often happens to me. And I think that that is, it's fascinating because women who are searching for a deeper connection, who don't want to take um, that kind of behavior, it, it does take so much bravery to stand up for ourselves and express that. And as you said, it often means that that relationship can no longer survive. So where, so where is the line then between setting boundaries and being brave and trusting that somebody can actually one day meet you there? One can one day meet you there. Yeah. I mean, trusting where's the line between, I would like to stay and see if this person changes and can match me or Mm. I need to go. I need to seek a relationship elsewhere. Well, yeah. Well, first off, I I, want to just reassure you that even, even if a man, let's say sort of speaking simplistically is, is, um, cause this is me, (laughs) you know, kind of implodes with you. Like he's, again, he's like just the adolescent, his adolescence sort of runs its course with you, but you, you know, you're the, like the, 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 the last stop before his manhood. First off, I don't believe that that's true. I don't think that happens. Mm. I really don't think that happens. I think that man is even in that next relationship. I guarantee you that man is still going to have to work through all kinds of stuff that he didn't work through before. Which power to him, because that's so hard. It is the hardest, scariest, bravest thing anybody can do is face their own demons. So agreed. So that said, I think also, look, you know, I I don't want to, I don't believe in just, uh, and I, and I hope this isn't coming off this way to particularly to any male listeners, but I I don't believe in just beating up on men and giving men all the responsibility. I think, I think women have their work to do as well in terms of Of growing and evolving and maturing. And I, I think you're pointing out one of the, the the core challenges for a woman, especially, you know, I remember a woman told me years ago um, that her mother taught her basically two things about men. Number one, don't inconvenience a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And number two, don't depend on a man. Yes. Same, same. That resonates. <laughs> so, and, and I remember just sort of sitting with that and, you know, and you said it early in this conversation too, like, how do you, how are you going to hold boundaries and, and, and stand up for yourself in a world that's constantly telling you as a woman, don't stand up for yourself, sit down and shut up basically more or less, Mm -hmm. right? Be, be less of what you are, please fit into this container that we recognize. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I, I actually call it uh, my little stress-free box. Can you, can you get back into my little stress-free box, please, where I don't, you know, where you don't cause me any stress? <laughs> but it's so fascinating, though. The more we uh, try to make ourselves small and fit into that stress-free box, uh, the less uh, interesting I think we become to our partner and the less tragic. connected we feel. It's so tragic. Everybody loses. Yeah. yeah. Well, and men, I mean, women are sold this that exact thing over and over and over again and infinitum for generations, but men have the same, I mean, not exactly the same, um, you know, exactly the same prescription, 
Mm. But men have lots of generational beliefs and feelings are weak. And I mean, my gosh, you can certainly speak to it better than I can what men go through. Well, it's a, it's a cliche and, and not a correct one. I say that, that men are insensitive. I actually believe in experience men are profoundly sensitive, but our sensitivity has been armored over mm-hmm. and, and it has because, because as, 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 as boys growing up, we had our sensitivity abused out of us, uh, ridiculed out of us and not, not even out of us. That's not the, I would say deeper within us buried beneath the armor and the programs and the stories and all, all the, all the ways that we learned we're not safe to be, it's not safe to be sensitive. Cause if I'm sensitive, if I same, I mean, just like little girls, if I cry or if I laugh too loud, mm-hmm. I'm going to get made fun of by the people around me or dad's going to tell me to just, you know, to stop acting like a girl, et cetera, et cetera. So our sensitivity has been driven deep into our shadow. And of course, so long as we don't recognize that it's there in our shadow, we, we will take that out on women. If, if I don't get to be sensitive and cry and, and gen- really laugh and express myself, well, you sure don't either. Mm. Yeah. That's would you the, say- that's the, yeah, would you say that maybe there could be some truth to when a man is faced with a woman in all of her feelings, like full feelings, that there might just be a sensory overwhelm, like a shutdown? Uh, definitely. It, it happens to me regularly, even with my wife. My wife is an incredibly feeling and emotional and expressive woman. And, and my ideal is to never make her feel rejected by me, is to never communicate to her that she's, you know, too much, that she needs to cut it out, stop it. Uh, now to be clear, we have boundaries. There are certain, it, you, just because I, I, my ideal is to embrace her emotionality. That doesn't mean that she gets to violate my space and my being with her emotions or her words, or, you know, there, I get to have my boundaries too. Of course. Right. And every couple has to kind of find their way with that. But I regularly feel kind of flooded by my wife's emotionality, especially, and this is something I have great, I have great empathy for, for modern couples because you know, my wife and I, we, we live alone, the two of us. Now we, we have a dog, but our dog is, is visiting my, uh, she's, she's, she's away at camp for a few months, <laughs> navigate our move from, uh, to Texas. Mm. And right now my wife and I, we're doing a two person village. It's just her and I in our little village. Yeah. And that ain't my nervous system nor hers was programmed to do a two person village over, you know, all our descendants. There were so many more people that were in our space regularly, daily, especially now working from home. So many people working yeah. from home. If you're working, if you have a partner in the home, oh my goodness, it's, it can be really challenging kind of look, seeking to get all our needs met from just one other person. Yeah. It can be incredibly disorienting for everybody. And then we're at war because, you know, I, I may get overwhelmed in my nervous system. I just, I just get flooded. I, I, I don't have the capacity often that she has, and she's wanting to play with me and, you know, poke at me. And I, I'm, I'm like her little yellow toy, little yellow ball <laughs> toy sometimes. And I, and sometimes I do get flooded and I don't want her to feel rejected. And fortunately she and I are conscious of all this, so we can play with it, have fun with it. We don't take it personal. I don't get angry at her when I feel this way. She doesn't get angry at me too much when she feels Mm -hmm. my, my recoil, my withdrawal, but most couples, they don't have that awareness or that understanding. And so it's this constant dance of, of flooding and overwhelm followed by the feeling of rejection and, and withdrawal falling, you know, which just spirals into this just nasty, awful place of chronic disconnection. Do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you, I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? 
Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. Now, here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter, but honestly, that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, AKA people who are truly going to give you their monies to how to write a website that converts start to finish, and finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So if you want to learn more about copy class, see what's inside, and hear from past students, head to kelseyformost.com slash copy class. That's kelseyformost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. So let's stay on that topic for a moment, flooding and um, forgiving. I would love if you could speak more about that feeling in the moment, in the present, when you are Mm. feeling flooded. Mm. Do you and Sylvie, Sylvie's your partner, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you and Sylvie have any sort of agreed upon thing that happens? Like, do you voice that? I'm feeling Mm. flooded. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great, it's a really great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. It's a really great question. So kind of what it, what it looks like, uh, and by the way, it can go the other way. There are times when I'm the one that's really playful and energetic and feeling alive and she's in a mood or a mode where she just needs to kind of be left alone and I can flood her. So let's not, let's make sure we've clarified. It's not just a mm-hmm. one-way thing. You know, it's not a man woman thing. It's a person. It's a people I think thing. it's a partner slash roommate thing. Frankly, <laughs> I think living with a person yeah. is a whole other level. <laughs> totally. It can be your parent. Some yeah. people are flooded by a parent in this mm-hmm. way. A hundred percent. So that's a great, great distinction to, to point out. But what it can look like is I can feel it in my body. You know, I've done a lot of, of, of intimacy practice by which I mean getting to know myself intimately, it, my feelings, emotions, my nervous system, my, my little ticks and, and the things that I do in various situations. I've done a lot of, a lot of, of, of work and practice to just, just figure out what the hell's going on in this body that I call Brian. Yeah. Right. So. I'm, I can feel when, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, you know, my, my, my the language we kind of use is I feel a, I'm a little stiff, I feel mm. a little stiff. I'm just feeling a little stiff, a little stuck, a little, uh, you know, like the nervous system is a little locked mm-hmm. and here, so here comes my wife, you know, bouncing down the stairs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a, a bubble floating down this, a bubble of joy floating down the stairs. <laughs> And here I am sort of uh, in a mode, in a, in a, in a mood and, you know, maybe I'm working or I'm in work mode or something and, and I can feel it. Here it comes. Here, here it comes sh- the bubble. Here it comes. I'm picturing Glinda in the Wizard of Oz, by the no, way, it, like yeah. bouncing down with, with the, with the sparkly tiara. That or, uh, yeah. That's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the image. And so here's how it often plays out is I'll spend, um, a few minutes sort of just trying to breathe, trying to be with her. Uh, I'm aware she's got no one else right now, you know, in in this moment, I'm the one that's here. I'm her partner. This is a joy for her now. So I'll spend some time sort of trying to breathe, trying to, to, to be with what's happening. And I may, you know, we're we're very playful about this because we know we're in on it. We've been together six years now. We've, we've, you know, 
we've been through the not knowing what the hell was going on and, mm. and doing therapy and our own coaching work, our own, all of that stuff and so many conversations and explorations, all that. So we, we know, we, we understand what's happening now. But still, it happens just because we right? understand it still doesn't mean it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's it still real. Yeah, you still feel it in your body. It happened this morning. So, <laughs> so you know, so often I'll kind of, um, it's funny, we actually also have this playful um, kind of, I don't know, map that we, 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 we play with where we, every relationship seems to be a partnership of a cat and a dog. Hmm. Like, a, like a cat and a puppy, like one of you is a cat, one of you is a puppy. <laughs> and, and the cat is sort of like, like hides under the table, you know, hides under the bed, waits till it's okay to come out. Whereas the puppy just wants to play all the time. The puppy wants to sort of get out and, you know, sniffing at the cat and, and, and the cat sometimes wants to just turn around and smack the dog, not out of <laughs> animosity, but just out of leave me alone. I'm the cat in our relationship. <laughs> so, um, Look, so th that happens and, and, you know, Sylvie will, she'll sometimes feel, you know, maybe within a few minutes, she'll, you know, I'll kind of playfully like do my cat thing. Like, ah, oh, I can't, it's too much. I, I don't say those words too much, but sort of my mm -hmm. body language is I'm trying to hide in a way. Like I, I, I just, I'm physically, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm physically energetically incapable of, of engaging with her in the mm -hmm. way that she's wanting to engage in that moment. So, mm -hmm. but. I'll, I'll, I'll allow this dance to happen for a few moments. You know, she's, she's enjoying herself. She's having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then there, there might be a moment where I have to say, you know, babe, I need, I just need some space. I need some, I need some space right around here. I need, I just need, you know, can we just take a pause? Mm -hmm. I love you. I'll often say, you know, I'll, I'll be reassuring. I love you if, if I need to. I mean, if, if it's sort of a moment where that, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be reassuring in my language, but often she just gets it. We just get it. You know, we've done this long enough that we mm -hmm. understand. And, um, you know, there, for me, it's very contextual when I can really relax and, and be in that mode, that playful mode. It's very contextual. Uh, I, I think for a lot of more, I'll just use this word more, you know, more masculine identified people, man or woman, I think that our, our containers matter to us by container. I mean, you know, on, on Saturday mornings when I don't have work to do and I can just rest and relax, I'm way more playful. Mm. But when I'm in my office and there's work to be done, I don't want to play with anybody. I want to get my work done. I want to be very intentional. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and those containers matter to me. I think someone who's uh, maybe more feminine oriented man or woman, I think is more apt to be playful in whatever container or want to kind of go where the flow, whatever's happening, let's, let's dance. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, I want to be careful with that language. My, my wife can be very kind of identified in her masculine. She's an entrepreneurial woman. She's yeah. crushing it. And there are times <laughs> where she tells me, get the hell out of my office. I'm working. <laughs> I don't want to play with you right now. You know? <laughs> so, I just want to be careful with the language. Sure. Um, but is that, is that helpful? It is. I, well, what I'm hearing underneath that is there is an understanding between you perhaps, and tell me if I'm off base, um, that it isn't personal, that it's not, I don't want to play with you. It's, I don't want to play. It's different. It's not that you are rejecting your partner and like her specifically, but rather in that moment, it's about you and your capacity or lack of capacity to engage. And yeah. so in that moment, it's like, how do we identify, how do we make sure that we ourselves, if we're the puppy <laughs> and I identify as puppy hundred okay. percent, okay. Uh -huh. if, uh, if we're the puppy, how do we make sure that we don't take the cat's rejection personally? And yeah. how, do I, how do the cats ensure that puppy still feels loved? Well, and also look, as, as a so-called cat, if we're gonna go with that, it's a fun- <laughs> We're leaning not, into let, it, why not? Let, well, we won't take it too seriously, but you know, as a, as a, as a model for just finding our way in the world. Sure. Um, yes, a key is not taking it personal for sure. 
But also I think a key is recognizing not even that I don't want to play in that moment. I am like viscerally, viscerally, physically, almost incapable mm, yeah. of, of going in my body where she's wanting me to go. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. not only is it not personal, I just, I don't have the capacity in my system in this moment. There's a, there's a, you know, my brain is doing certain things. My nervous system is doing certain things su- such that I, I'm, 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 it's like, I'm attuned in a particular mode mm-hmm. at the moment and to be switched out of that mode in an instant is just. I'm not, I'm not up for it. I don't right. have the capacity in or the desire mess. We could talk about desire, but even I never want my wife to feel rejected ever, 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 mm-hmm. ever. And I know that she sometimes does still feel rejected. Right. It's right. Expecting her to never feel rejected in these moments is, is fut is a futile pursuit. Any, any more than look, even as again, as the, that is a, that cat, you could say, it hurts me also to know that I can't be where she wants me to be in this moment. That hurts. Mm, yeah. But it's also in the same way that, that she, yes, she's got to, she must practice not taking it personal. I also have to practice not taking her feeling of rejection personal. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's, it, it's really a mutual practice of, of, of not taking it personal because mm. she will be disappointed when I can't play the way she wants. She, of course she's going to be, she's human. How could she not? What would you say? Hmm. I'm wondering how to phrase this. I feel that often there can be a partner who feels perhaps repeatedly rejected like they're making bids for attention yeah 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 yeah. and it can be repeatedly rejected Mm -hmm. and at that point i think we're talking about something different right this yeah it's a it's like a seesaw it's a balance definitely Um, there Mm -hmm. will always no matter how healthy you are personally no matter how healthy your relationship is will always be moments where we feel rejected by our partners. There will Mm -hmm. always be conflict. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred percent going to happen. (laughs) So I think it can be confusing knowing that when we have repeated bids for attention and for love that are not met to, to make sense of that and to think, okay, what's the line of you, you even phrased it in such a way in a previous video um, or something similar, masculine checkout syndrome. I wrote mm-hmm. that down. Mm-hmm. I would love if you spoke a little bit to that because I think yeah. that's like a step further, right? That's something different than just being incapable in the moment sometimes. It is, yeah, yeah. What we've been exploring is really kind of a moment by moment dance and, and with between two people who are aware of the dance and who still, it's, it's messy, but we're, the key word is balance mm-hmm. and, 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 and every couple has to find that balance for themselves. What, 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 but what balance looks like to me and my wife isn't what balance will look like to another couple. Yeah. So masculine checkout syndrome though, is, is something that I started exploring they, well, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years ago, perhaps that, that, that thing where, and I, I frame it again, I, I use the language of, of man, but, but women can also be, be, be caught in this masculine checkout syndrome totally. experience, but masculine checkout syndrome is essentially what I, what I call that, that experience where, where, where your, your body is present, you're physically present, but you're emotionally gone. Yeah. You know, and, and it's an extended over a period of time. Yes. Big distinction. So. Um, cause I, I regularly am unable to be fully emotionally and mentally present with my wife. It's, I mean, and, and vice versa, Right. but, but we have so many practices that daily and weekly bring us back into connection that it's not a, it's not an ongoing concern. Mm-hmm. We, we come in and out of, you could say we come in and out of connection and dic- disconnection, uh, regularly. Yeah. Masculine checkout syndrome is something that I, I talk about to describe a, a, a pervading and persistent 
lack of emotional presence, hmm. uh, per, per, typically by, by a man in, in his relationship. So what advice would you give to both parties? Maybe a man who's listening to this thinking, oh gosh, I think I might have masculine checkout syndrome. <laughs> and then yeah. perhaps to a woman who was like, oh gosh, I think my partner might have masculine checkout syndrome. How can I help? What can I do? Should I do anything at all? Well, let me, let me speak to women first. Uh, probably the last thing you should do is tell him, I think you have masculine checkouts. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. You, mean, you mean he doesn't want me to tell him that? <laughs> I don't think that's going to be really that helpful. Really? Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't typically find that very helpful. <laughs> diagnosing your partner. Yeah, I can imagine. I if the roles were reversed, I don't think that would go down well with me either. It doesn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and, and also, you know, it's important and anyone who's 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 likely experiencing masculine checkout syndrome, probably one of their core fears is 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 the fear that I'm fucking up somehow. Yeah. Mhm. Because in our in our masculine we identify with doing and if I'm doing bad, it means I am bad. Mm, God, that's so devastating. It's dev So if I hear all of a sudden I hear, wait, you think I have this thing, which means I'm not doing right, doing what you want me to do. And well, two things are going to happen. Either shame, probably shame is going to arise and mm. shame doesn't really want to be seen or faced. So, you know, whatever mechanisms then arise to protect, uh, shame, are going to just pop up where there's defensiveness or anger or, or just, you know, further checkout. Yeah. Right. And the other might just be grandiosity. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm fine. You're the, you're the one with the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's not helpful, but I, I think it's absolutely essential that, that, and this is where I think, you know, where women, can can learn do do have a lot to learn in in terms of skillful now i know this could make a lot of women angry because a lot of women a lot of the times i'll hear i'm tired of doing all the work it's time for him to do the work it's time for men and i get that i totally get that and you know i'm speaking to a, a woman who is who is who who understands that still you know she, I, I, she can learn to be more skillful in the way that she's yes. presenting her experience that's different from taking responsibility for his actions or his behavior, how he's showing up. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's an important distinction. We can all learn to be more skillful. And I think, I think for, I think for women, because a lot of men have talked to a lot of men, a lot of men feel pretty beat up I'm in sure. their relationships. They feel beat up even by the therapist they, they go to. Mm -hmm. And again, I get it. We men have been making a mess of things for a long damn time. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just not helpful. Yeah, you know, it's just, exactly. It's just the victim becomes the perpetrator and Shame then the perpetrator becomes helpful. the victim. Yeah, exactly. I, I love exactly. What, what Terry, what Terry real said. Terry real is an incredible therapist who, who specializes in working with men. Uh, Terry real wrote a lot of good books about men and relationships. And, and, uh, he says very simply heart, like you just said it harshness never works. Mm-hmm. Never. So I think, I think, do think that women, you, you can learn if you're with someone who is, who you feel just so emotionally disconnected from, I think it's really important that you, that you find and you, you learn skillful ways of communicating your experience. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I I'm often teaching, or I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm often, you know, encouraging women and men for that matter to practice is, is to, to be the, to be an invitation to the relationship you want, not the obligation. Mm, same word, invitation versus obligation. Right. Obligating is you have to do this or else you have to, this is what I need. You need to do this, you know, versus invitation is I know what I want to experience. I know what I want. I'm clear on what I want. I know what I long for. It's okay if you don't want to meet me there, mm. but I'm, I'm not going to be able to stay long in a situation where I, where I, I'm not experiencing what I want to experience. And, you know, I, 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's the difference between invitation and, and, and obligation. And I, relationships don't work as obligations, not in my experience and opinion. I, so I then if that's the script for invitation, what mm-hmm. would obligation sound like? You have to do this or else you have masculine mm-hmm. checkout syndrome and you need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Versus right? you, this is what I imagine for us. This is what I'm hopeful for. And I would love if you could meet me there. And if you can't, I understand, but I'm not going to be able to stay long. And yes, all of that. And I'm hurting. Mm, what what mm-hmm. what we're experiencing, I'm hurting inside of this. This is. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because a lot of times, I think, as you said, I even felt myself getting a little bit defensive. Like, yeah, I am tired of doing all the work. You're right. <laughs> It's time for men in our lives mm-hmm. to step up. And yet I think the the thing behind that defensiveness is a lack of feeling heard mm. um, and perhaps mm. feeling unsafe to mm. express that vulnerability and to say, hey, mm. I'm actually quite hurt by this mm. and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. And I think that that's part of, I think, creating a new relationship, a new dynamic, a new, and I, and I think in many ways, I think women are very much leaders in this capacity, the, 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 the capacity to, you know, when I, when I lead a men's group, one of the first things that we often do, and this is universal across most men's groups is we do a check-in. The check-in is what am I feeling? I'm feeling hungry. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling this, but of course, most men really struggle with that. Just that simple check-in. Identifying the feeling. Mm. Identifying the feeling. Most men really, really struggle with that. Most men, when you ask them what they're feeling, they're going to tell you what they're thinking. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one way that, that, that women are serving, I know my wife, my wife does. I mean, my wife has been my great, one of my greatest teachers in this. And I've studied with people to learn this actual stuff, but my wife, you know, in relationship with her, learning to focus on, well, what's the feeling here? Mm -hmm. I'm feeling sad without the story. I mean, this is where I think we can become Mm -hmm. unskillful and and it starts to become confusing and we get, you know, what could be a five minute conversation turns into a, a, a a 17 hour debacle that, you know, we're up all night discussing this and we don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Whereas, you know, uh, where a real connecting conversation can be, you know, I love you. I love you and I don't want you to do anything that you don't want to do. Um, but I'm really hurting inside of this experience with you. I'm feeling disconnected regularly. I'm feeling, I'm feeling unseen. I'm not saying you don't see me. Maybe you see me, but I'm, I'm not, I'm feeling invisible. Hmm. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling whatever no, that, that I'm feel, this is all in the room. And then he's left with a choice. Right now, that's the key choice. Yeah, he's not obligated to do anything about that. But you know, the the, the and and the, what I think, it, kind of one of the the tragedies of of our adult relationships is is, and I know we're talking in a in a overwhelmingly heterosexual context here. Mm. Um. Uh. But I think a lot of women, you you. You tell me if, please, I, I always reserve the right to be wrong, Kelsey. I'm not a woman, so what do I know? Well, you've well, talked with a lot of them, so I think think you're all right. <laughs> and I've gotten this feedback from my partners mm-hmm. who have felt my adolescence, have felt the part of me that's like, I don't want any responsibility for what happens here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on your own. I'm on my own. So, and and I think inside of that, it's, it, I, I, my, my understanding of a woman's experience. And again, you, you helped me find my way with this being a woman <laughs> is, is the yearning to have, to have that, 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 that boy be a man. And I don't mean that flippantly. I just mean for him to, to take responsibility to, to, you know, we say step up, but what are we talking about when we say step up as a man? We, what I, what I mean by that is step into the relational container and take ownership of what's going on in there mm-hmm. and figure out what it means to show up, to be in the, in the, in the, in the, 
the, both the, the, the mess and the beauty of relating of relationship, yeah. whatever may come and be, be, be all in on that. And I think, you know, so many women feel the, the, the withdrawal of, of man. Yeah. And it's excruciating. And I understand why a lot of the CDC, I always dated women that, you know, and I'm married to one, but I, I was dated women that, that would, that, you know, would, were, were, were not quiet in their objections to my behavior, you know, and, and, and their, in their lack of skill, I mean, mm -hmm. I was very unskillful, but their, their lack of skill was to become the obligation. You need to do this or else, mm -hmm. you know, you need to do this or else. And to which that just, it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't help me find my way. Right. That's for sure. Not saying it's their job to help me. I want to keep coming back to that point. Right. It's not their job. But again, oh, Kelsey, we could talk about this for a long I time. I know. I know. I do so want to, I do want to just, before I let you go, I want to talk for a second about the phrase man up or step up, as you just mm. said. Yeah. And I think that so often that, um, can be misconstrued and as like a impetus for quote unquote success. Mm -hmm. And that, um, and this is something I read in your book, but I can just sort of see it in the relationships mm -hmm. that I've had with men in my life, just culturally, the examples I see of what it means to be a quote man, mm. uh, in entertainment, social media, TV, what have you. I think that there's a lack of, um, of desire or of reward for fully embracing emotion. And instead it seems to be very much like if you're a successful man, then mm. that means you have money, status, mm. respect, mm -hmm. um, and not a lot of emotional stressors. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, whether they're male or not, might identify deeply because a lot of us are entrepreneurs with this idea that you have to remove emotion if you want mm -hmm. to be successful. Mm. So I would love <laughs> your opinion on that yeah. subject. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I was just talking actually with a man uh, about this earlier today uh, in a coaching session with a 65 year old man who, mm. who made all the money, had the, 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 the multimillion dollar business, the wife, the kids, all, all of it. And it all came crashing down like a house of cards on mm. him, you know, probably three years ago. And one of the things that we were exploring was well, what does it mean to thrive? Mm. Not, not just survive. I think a lot of our culture is oriented towards survival. Yes. It, it looks, it looks like thriving because we have lots of stuff, but so much of that is just really, is really the expression of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a mind that's just trying to survive, be special, be oh, yes. so, so long as I, you know, if I, if I, if I gather my fortune and all my admirers, then I, I, I I'll, I'll live forever. I won't die. You know, the little idea of me will just, I don't know, survive. Mm -hmm. And, and yet, you know, how, how many people have you met or known, or, you know, I certainly have who, who have all the stuff. I was that guy and are fucking miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So or maybe we start by redefining success. And what we were exploring today, you know, with this, with this man was, was, um, um, the we actually were experienced talking about emotions and what does it mean to live a full rich life you know joseph campbell said something that was really eye-opening for me um that i didn't encounter at first uh in my own sort of learning what it means to thrive in life uh, i well he this is what he said he said i don't think that people are so much looking for um the uh, um the meaning of life so much as people are looking for the experience of feeling fully alive. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe, you know, in our, 
what, what Francis Weller, another one of my beloved teachers, calls the heroic culture we live in. We live in a heroic culture where everything must continue to rise. You know, the, the, the hero is an individual. The hero is the one that saves the day. Mm-hmm. It's, he's individual. The hero has no need of, of anyone else. And the hero with other people is not a hero anymore. Yeah. A hero right? in community by definition loses that title. Loses hero status. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So in our heroic culture where we've just more, more success, more, 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 more. Um, I think, you know, so many of us who have, who have, who have experienced a, a level of success where we've gotten what we thought we wanted and then realized, wow, well, that's all there is to it. Well, yeah. Or we're just off to the next thing. You know, again, we see that in social media. Okay. I did a video. It got, you know, a million views. Fantastic. Well, shit, I better put out the next one right away. So I capitalize yeah. on this and then it's on and on and on. And, you know, I, I, I think we do, we have to question what are we talking about when we talk about thriving and living a full rich life? There's nothing wrong with success. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with making money, nothing. I mean, but, but what are you experiencing today right now? Are you, you know, this word happiness, happiness. I, I have a, I personally have a lot of issues with that as a, as a goal. Same. And one of the things that I believe personally, and I, you know, I work on to this day, um, I'm actually very interested in exploring grieving. That's one of my explorations right now is grieving and loss and sadness Mm -hmm. because I feel I've been denied that by my culture, denied Mm -hmm. the right and the rituals of grieving properly. Yeah. And so long as I'm unwilling to grieve and feel loss and feel sadness, well, I believe that's going to greatly, and it's my experience, greatly impact my ability to feel true joy. Yeah. And at excitement. And so I, you know, I, I think, I guess just my own personal experience with, with your question is, you know, I'm, I'm exploring how, how can I craft a rich, thriving life, not by just getting more stuff or having more success or shutting off my emotions by it, quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. How can I welcome and, 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 and experience my emotions in ways that bring richness to my life? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love your point about grief too, before we wrap up, because grief doesn't just have to mean the loss of a person or Mm-mm. a death. I think we hear grief and we think yeah. people dressed in black at a funeral and three days later you have, you know, yeah. platters from Costco and then you're supposed to be over it. Right. <laughs> As someone who has experienced a death of a close personal uh, family member, I think that one of the greatest gifts of my life was experiencing that death of a family member early because Mm -hmm. I was able to recognize feelings of grief in other areas of life, Mm -hmm. whether it was the loss or the changing of a friendship, um, a romantic relationship, a job, a city, a community, um, a chapter of life. Um, That's such a valuable almost entry point because grief is everywhere and it's beautiful. It's, it's deep. And it's, this is going to sound so strange, but it's actually quite thrilling to really Mm. give over to the fullness Mm. of understanding what you had Mm. so that you can then appreciate Mm. what you go on to have. Grief is a great gateway drug (laughs) to emotions. Well, uh, are you, are you familiar with Francis Weller? No, I'm not. Please. He wrote a book called Wild Edge of Sorrow that I recommend to you and to all of your listeners. Mm. Wild Edge of Sorrow. Just the, just the title. Isn't that juicy? It's so Wild juicy. Edge Ooh. of Sorrow. It's so good. And um, I've interviewed him on my podcast as well. And, and, and um, he's really opened up for me saying that gateway of grief to, to, a, to a, a rich and fulfilling life in a way that, that the heroic culture I live in that tells me 
you know, no pain, no gain. There you go. Shut mm -hmm. off your emotions. If you, if you want gain, you have to not feel what you're feeling. There yeah. it is. It's in the slogan. No pain, no gain. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that that's a great tragedy we've done ourselves. And, you know, to your point, like I just moved from California to Texas and, and it's a move I wanted to make. I'm excited to make, but also LA was incredibly good to me. I had a whole life there and I do need to grieve that. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. anyway, it's, it's a beautiful reflection and I'm, 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 I love that you are so deeply attuned to that as well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. I just really want to thank you for your wisdom. This conversation I know is going to help a lot of people. We have so many gems. I don't know how I'm going to pick our little clips because the entire thing is just so, so full of wonderful words to live by. So thank you again for being thank, here. Thank you. It's been my, my honor to be here, Kelsey. Thanks for inviting me. All right, everybody, you can get Brian's book, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her on Amazon or on his website. Anywhere else people can find the book or are those the two main places? Well, actually on my website, like if you don't like to order from Amazon or you don't, or you're international, my website has all the links where you can get it around the world. Perfect. And your website yeah. is? It's my name, Brian with a Y, brianreeves.com. Brian awesome. with a Y. Yeah, and we will you. put that in the show notes as well. So you can go directly there and you can find Brian on Instagram as well at Brian Reeves insight. Is that right? Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Brian. This has Thanks, been Kelsey. an amazing episode of find your magic. Take care, everybody. Hey, magic maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.